Hi, and welcome to The Raw Bar. I'm Goddess Cecilia, sexuality and pleasure educator slash consultant. I've invited my friends and colleagues to sit, snack, and get real and probably a little salty about sexuality and pleasure. We've also saved a seat for you. Grab a drink, something to munch on, and your willingness to explore and experience something new and pleasurable. Today, I'm very excited to feature a friend, a colleague, someone who I think is one of my favorite people to work with. Erica Capen, who's a photographer who loves to share the stories of people, their relationships with the world, and their relationships with each other. Born in Seattle, Washington, Erica moved to NYC in 2005, where she received her BFA from the New School for Violin Performance in 2010. Erica has studied and worked as a teaching assistant at International Center of Photography. Currently living in New York City, Erica continues to work on her personal projects as well as her professional projects in creative portraiture, fine art, and documentary photography. Documentary? So we met at Sex Geek Summer Camp. Yes, we did. In 2016, it must have been? Either 2016 or 2017. I'm not sure which I think. 2016 okay because squad started in 2017 (laughs) then 2016 yeah and you were one of the photographers at the Mm -hmm. camp and you also ended up being the one of the photographers at another conference that followed afterwards um Mm -hmm. woodhull sexual freedom summit and i really got to know you there i feel like not just through your work but like as a friend Mm-hmm. And then we we got to connect in other ways. Like I think the next time I saw you, it was either the National Sex Ed Conference. Oh yes, that's right. Because I photographed that one, and you came, and that was sort of the first time I think that we had like a portrait. Session. Yeah, at camp it was I was more of like the event photographer there. Mm-hmm. Then with that at the National Sex Ed Conference, we like did a hotel with like a, mm-hmm. the lighting and got your portraits. Yeah, it's still one of my favorite headshots. Those headshots that you did of me there are still some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And I feel almost like sometimes I share them and I'm like, I feel like I'm cheating because it's like been so long ago, but they're still my favorites. And I'm like, I still look the same. So it's fine. You do. And also like we can have another session one day when we see each other in person again. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think we also ended up connecting during a mermaid parade. Yeah, so the first year that you came to New York for a mermaid parade was before we knew each other really well. And then Mm -hmm. that was the first year that you and I and Lola, Dirty Lola, went. And there's pictures of that. Maybe that was 2018, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Or 2017. No, that was 2017. Years are hard. Yeah. But yes. Oh, I know. It's okay. And and I remember I was so impressed by Andrew because he was pulling you in that car. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not go like a little red cart oh. with your yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was the best. It was like a gardening cart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not made for humans. It was, was so good. So yeah, that was yeah. Awesome. So that's the two mermaid crates we've been to together. I think. Yeah, I have to admit, like you are one of the people in my life who can carry 
that kind of lipstick really well. And there's like, <laughs> I can literally count four people who wear like colorful lipstick regularly and like who do it well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. There's four out of all the people wow. that I know and you're one of them. Wow. Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of want to hear a little bit more about how you got into photography. And I think everybody should know because again, like you're one of my favorite people. You're like our favorite photographer for our headshots. Yeah. I don't know how big of an impact everything is, but you know, like there's little things that looking back, I'm like, oh, maybe that was a really mm -hmm. big impact. So my aunt, um, my aunt Kim is a really great photographer and I was the first grandchild of my generation in the family. Mm -hmm. So I was photographed a lot by her and I was photographed a bunch and saw her photographing a bunch you know mm. and heard about photography she used to run a film lab and stuff like that so oh. it was kind of in my mental orbit I guess you could say and then my mom got a, a film camera I think it was at a yard sale or something so when I was when I was like 17 or 18 I was going to community mm. college and I signed up for a elective darkroom photography class and I used the camera that my mom had so that's oh, nice. definitely the first time I really got into it. You know, it was like introduction to black and white darkroom photography. I really loved it and, you know, did all the assignments that, you know, that they mm -hmm. gave us and learned how to do the basic darkroom stuff. And that's really, yeah, that's how I started. And then, of course, mm. you know, things have progressed along the way. Eventually in New York, mm. my camera got stolen when my apartment was broken <gasps> into over a decade ago. But that's the, mm. when I made the shift to digital because they stole my film camera. And I was like, I need a new camera. Oh, no. A digital camera. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. That's not like how it started. But those are sort of some key points along the way of, of my getting into photography. Mm, that's cool. And so I think if you got into music first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I play violin and I've been playing violin since I was seven or so. So that was always, oh, okay. That was the earliest. Well, I don't want to say the earliest art form that I did, but that was before photography for sure. I'm mm. sure I was like doodling before then. But yes, I was always playing violin. And then when I started doing photography, I've always been kind of like the pendulum swings back and forth between which one I'm doing mm -hmm. more at any given time. I've been like time-wise spending more time on photography these last few years, but I still play music and it's still important. But yeah, photography came later in life. Mm, okay. I think I started piano lessons at age seven, two, if I remember correctly. I feel like getting involved in like one type of art form can often, it's like a gateway. <laughs> it's a gateway <laughs> drug to other art forms. <laughs> right. Interesting. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. I think like getting into an, an instrument for sure is like mm. a gateway to other instruments. But I definitely feel that photography and music are really compatible art form. Like, okay. except for the fact that they both demand a lot of time. And I only have so mm -hmm. many hours that I'm awake during a 24-hour period. So it's, like, hard mm -hmm. to divvy up the time. But, like, inspiration-wise, like, if I'm feeling like I'm really excited about music and playing, I'd be like, that's great. But then if I kind of get stuck or hit a little creative block, it'd be like, I could go for a walk and take photos or do some editing. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's like, I'm still it's like a different creative part of my brain that kind of can like nurture the other creative part of my brain. And then it can kind of go and support each other in that way. If that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I don't think I've ever heard it explained that way, but that's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I always thought about it as like, uh, you kind of get introduced to like art 
And so you you have a respect for like other art forms in a way. Yeah. But I love the like the fact that there's there's almost this like complementary relationship between them because you're still being creative even if you need to like take a break from one or the other. Yeah. I I, I do feel that. But I love that point though that you made because I think sometimes I might take art for granted not exactly but like just the fact that I got into it and I appreciate it Mm -hmm. and I love it but like not everyone has that opportunity to play an instrument Mm -hmm. or be introduced to an art form and so maybe if that doesn't happen at a certain age then that might not open up those doors you know for Mm -hmm. um, for them to appreciate arts in that way and in that way what you're saying about the gateway into the arts it's like super important (laughs) and it was super lucky for both of us that we had that you know yeah but you are kind of continuing that whole process because you do end up doing music with youth right Yes. Oh, yeah, I do. I was like, I used to. I'm like, no, wait, I still do. <laughs> it just hasn't been the focus for a little while. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, no, I do that with, with Bash the Trash, like playing music in schools. I mean, I'm not teaching kids instruments, mm-hmm. like in a long term weekly way anymore. But I do yeah. like performances for kids and talk to kids about sound and music and stuff like that. So yeah, hey, you're right. I think that totally counts. I mean, seeing song my two-year-old, right? His name's Song. He's watched his music teacher play the guitar in Zoom, literally for, since the beginning of the pandemic. And the teacher went to Zoom and he did daily classes and, and we would go every single time <laughs> to like yeah. watch on Zoom and he watched him play the guitar. So one day when I saw him, my parents have a ukulele and he just picked it up and he just started strumming it like he knew what he was doing. And it kind of blew my mind because it was like, yeah. holy crap, you just like, you just like pick that up, but no one instructed you to do that, but you know? So and he's observed but, adults in his life playing it. So that was, yeah. It's yeah. so like, wow, I feel like cool. what you end up doing with Bash the Trash is a similar thing. Cause I think just helping to expose kids to that. Yeah. Um, having people see so that. Important. Is so important. It's like relatable if they can right. imagine it in now, their life. Right. Now we just have the show that you also play the violin. They'll probably like, what? It's I a know. little guitar. I really, yeah, <laughs> I need to get out there and play some violin for soul ASAP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be great. Yes, please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it would be the cutest. So he will try to touch it. Yeah. Well, you know, we can be careful with that. <laughs> we'll try to touch it and then he'll try to play it like a guitar. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Maybe we can get a little child sized one or something. <laughs> oh, a little baby. A little baby violin. Oh, that would be mm-hmm. the cutest. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the process. In my mind, there's like a process, right? To creating art, to the photography that you do. So could you talk a little bit about that process? And I'm not talking like the technical stuff. <laughs> right? like, I know my brain is but, like, ooh. F-stops? What do you want to hear about? <laughs> I mean, I want to hear about it, but uh, I know it can get it. very technical. Yeah. So for me, like some of my art projects start in different ways. So sometimes it's like mm. I have this concept. I want to like do a project that destigmatizes this and raises social awareness. And I'm going to do that mm. by, by this way. And I have this concept and then I like think about how I'm going to do it. And then I go out and I arrange shoots and and then there's sometimes where I just be like, this feels good. I'm going to do this. And then not really think about it and figure it out later. Like when I'm looking at the photos, like what was the intention like so consciously behind that 
So those are kind of two different broad ways when I'm doing an art project. And then there's mm. the process of like a shoot, maybe, you know, I do a lot of portrait mm. photography. Mm-hmm. So there's that process where, you know, we talk to the person I'm photographing about if it's for them, you know, if they're looking to mm. make specific images, like what kind of feeling they want in those images, how they want to be portrayed, you know, what, what the mm. vibe is. And we'll talk about that and then, and you know, maybe send imagery back and forth to kind of get on the same page and then do a shoot regardless yes I shoot first regardless of how much like planning then after photographing then there's editing that goes into it you know and probably with digital photography it's a bit too much where you're shooting so much more than you're actually going to use you know with film I guess people are Mm. a bit more careful to conserve their frames but a lot of times I'll do a shoot and then spend time looking through and seeing which images work more which are more powerful for whatever it is whether it's like the best portrait of someone where they you know look professional and flattering or whatever they want and then you know or whether it's like the right photo to convey this feeling of intimacy for this specific project that I Mm. am shooting for that like whatever it is the end goal kind of keeping in mind with looking at the photos afterwards and editing them most of us who have been part of a photo shoot, I feel like we don't always, we show up, <laughs> you know, we take pictures and then we go away and we wait for the pictures to be done. But I feel like right. it's good to know about kind of like what it takes to be able to have the like end result and have someone be like, oh my God, I love this. Or like, well, if you, you want know. me to get into all of that, I mean, see, that's where I'm like, okay, well, the cameras are expensive. I mean, that's legit. Memory cards, all that stuff. You know, you've got to have the subscription to the like programs that you edit them in. And, you know, then it takes mm. about as much time, at least as much time editing than it does the shoot, you know, itself oh. to get the photos oh. out. I could go into those nitty gritty, like behind the scenes stuff, but I don't know if that, I, I could go. Well, but I think that's so- to stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an important point though, because there's so much about, and this is, I think a parallel with sex education is that so many people don't often see the work that goes into it and the like yeah. amount of value there is mm-hmm. to the work. And sometimes you just see the end result of like all of the hard work and all the background stuff that came beforehand. That's so true. You know? I feel like I find that out about so many different types of professions or things I take for granted of like, oh, there is a person who designed this piece of technology that I'm interacting with so seamlessly and like all of the planning that went in behind that or whatever it is you know it's so much stuff that we don't understand unless we're diving into that more deeply right definitely and I know that I'm certain that there have been people who have been like oh you know why is this so expensive and you're just like yeah (laughs) yeah it's like well you know like I you know we 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 studied so that we can learn how to do this Mm -hmm. and you know we have to learn about lighting and posing and have the technology and be able to make you feel comfortable and make you feel right. at ease and then you know the actual physical expense and it is a high value item and I guess a lot of people can be surprised at the cost sometimes but you know mm. in that case I guess they can have their kid take pictures on their phone I don't know <laughs> it's about time you listen to virgin territory a podcast brought to you by ship Each episode brings you new guests and new topics, and we ask all the questions you are dying to know. From dating, sexual education and wellness, to kink, polyamory, and everything in between. Subscribe to our episodes by visiting virginterritorypod.org or listen on your favorite streaming media.
Oh my God, I haven't gotten to that stage yet, but I can't <laughs> wait because you know, Saul's pictures are going to be weird. They're yeah. just going to be like the corners of places and like discovering his dump truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So I actually now want to jump into some of the projects that you're currently working on, I'd want to say. And there are, are definitely a couple of them that I want to highlight. But tell us about the different projects that you're working on. I guess the main three things that I'm shooting right now, or even if I'm not shooting, there's still active projects. I might be editing mm. and stuff in order of when they started. The Open okay. Photo Project, I guess about six years now. It's a long-term project. Mm photographing and interviewing people who are in non-monogamous relationships, um, mm -hmm. mostly specifically polyamorous in most cases. And I started that project sort of to like explore and really ultimately like destigmatize and celebrate polyamorous relationships as a choice and sort of mm. like an advocacy project, education, celebration kind of thing. And that's gone a lot of different transitions, that particular project over the course of the six years that I've been doing it. And I'm working on like multimedia kind of presentation of that because there's audio from our recorded conversations. Mm. So you'll see people's photos and hear their voices talking about their relationships in my multimedia presentation. Then there's queer people with underwear on our heads, which is mm -hmm. totally different. The open photo project is much more like documentary art kind of. And then mm. queer, like visually, it looks more just documentary style. And then yeah. queer people with underwear on their heads is like kind of commercial-ish looking. It's like flash, white backgrounds, and they're just very straightforward portraits, mostly from the shoulders up of queer people with underwear on their heads. I mean, it is what it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then there's one that is newer, really. I probably photographed maybe about five people with this. Mm. And that is the double exposures I've been making, where it's also queer folks for now that I've been focusing on with that. But that's like very new, so it might change. And I've been photographing, making a double exposure of them with a younger version of themselves so they'll bring in an old photo of themselves as a kid usually and then photographing mm. them into that photo interacting with themselves and I'm thinking about that a lot as like a, I hope that and I've heard from the people I photographed that it could be kind of a healing process like the idea of giving a little love to your younger self and sending or or receiving something from your younger self that you want to like keep in you more now that you maybe had then or sort of a healing type of project so those are my yeah. kind of main ones that I'm thinking about these days yes I love all of them so much they are so different from each other but there's definitely this like there's a style to it that I feel like is yours so many of the projects or works that I've made over the last few years look really different and and like stylistically like a while back I was like uh like I don't have a visual voice like what is my mm. visual style because some photographers you can look at their work and you like you see that I recognize this style but I've been feeling a little bit better about it because I feel like it's more maybe like thematic for me I like to like all of mm -hmm, those projects mm -hmm. have in common like intimacy in some way intimate moments I would definitely say like yes and like yes I'm biased and it's true that there's definitely a thread <laughs> That connects all of the work. I'm kind of curious, like, what inspired that? Sure. So during the quarantine at home part of the pandemic here in New York, mm -hmm. when I mm -hmm. couldn't photograph people, and that's like my main joy with photography, I started mm -hmm. a project kind of messing with my old family photos because I currently mm. have them all and doing self-portraits with old photos of my mom. 
So my mom passed away mm. when I was 18 and I have all these old photos of her and I had all this free time at home. <laughs> so I started photographing myself into the old photos of my mom as kind of this self-healing kind of project, mm -hmm. like connect with the memory of her and, you know, imagine if we were here together or something, you know, like that. And that felt really powerful and good for me to make. And so mm. when I could start photographing other people again, feeling more safe to do that. And then I asked some folks if they would like to be photographed with an ancestor of theirs. And, you know, so I could kind of expand that. And one mm. of my friends had said, you know, maybe not really with my family members, but it would be cool to be photographed with a younger version of myself. And I could be like, hey, kid, like, it's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was like so touching to me that idea and so I thought yeah let's let's do that and then of course you know me as a queer person I'm interested in doing projects about queerness so mm -hmm. that was sort of a starting point you know and, and queer kids can have a unique kind of challenge especially queer people of a certain age when they were kids you know had different challenges than a lot of queer kids do now so I thought that that would mm -hmm. be a, a cool place to start so that style was kind of developed with the old photos of my mom and my self-portraits, but then changing and going into the double exposures with other people in their past selves. I love it. I The pieces that I've seen are so beautiful and it feels very like otherworldly. They're like one of my favorite things to catch on the internet. <laughs> There's a lot of cool yeah. out there on the internet. Well, because I think that there's, and maybe it's because that there's a lot of talk right now too about sort of healing and breaking generational curses and things like that. Like it feels both timely and I say this as though like I've been to every museum and seen every work of art, but like <laughs> I personally haven't seen anything like that. And it's just very cool to see. And especially now with like the internet and everything being so open. Okay, now let's transition to the underwears. Underwears <laughs> on queers? <laughs> it's a long wordy. I've been calling it queer people with underwear on our heads, but you can call it underwear. Okay. Queers. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's another one that I think is also really fun. And I, we touched on this a little bit earlier too, because to me, it feels like it hits on this theme of like private things being out in the open in a way. And I feel like there's, sort of a connection to I think of it a little bit as like a connection to being out and I don't know if that's just me personally interpreting that but but I'm also curious about what inspired that one too and like yeah more more about that one so in the beginning of the call I said that there's like two ways that my creative process often starts and one is mm -hmm. with all of this planning and I'm going to do this project that explores this thing and the other one is just I'm like oh this is fun to shoot let's see and then let me figure out what it's about afterwards and that mm. is kind of what happened with the queer people with underwear on their heads project because I was literally just hanging out in my apartment with my old roommate and his partner and we were taking pictures in my studio and they put their underwear on their heads and it was just silly and we were laughing and and it was just really lighthearted. And I felt like that felt like mm. a really nice break for me, especially I can be an overthinker in general, and that can come into my creative projects. So when I sit down, I was like, I want to just do this more. Like, I want to just laugh with people and be silly and photograph underwear on their heads. We were just laughing. Wouldn't this be funny if this would be like 
a project of photographing like <laughs> queer folks with underwear on their heads. But one of the things I think about too is there's so much trauma and hardness around a lot of mm. stories that are told around queerness. And I also want to make sure there's a lot of celebration in the stories and like humor is always good. I mean, almost yeah. every time somebody comes for a shoot, it's like they're a little embarrassed and they feel a little silly. And so do I. I'm like, how do I help them like style this underwear on their head? <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> it's funny. But I mean, I, and then since then I am thinking like, why, what is it about this? It's drawing me to this. Is there something else? I really like what you said. I hadn't actually thought about it. I think a lot of the stuff I do around like polyamory or queerness, it's like visibility mm. is really important. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, it could be about that. I'm still sort of trying to psychoanalyze that one. A little yeah. Bit. Also, I'm like, I don't want to think about it too much because I just want to have fun with no, it. No, no, no. I think about things. No, so totally. No. So that one, I'm like, totally. You could tell me what that's about if you want to. I just want to <laughs> laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. And some of those photographs have been part of art shows, right? Yes. One photograph of that has been part of one art show. Okay. But yeah, it was such a beautiful well, show. I was you could have made up a number. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, I'll, I should have just let it sound like more than it was. Um, <laughs> thank you. But still, being part of an art show was very cool. And you know, it was a really great art show. It was curated by Orestes. I think his last name is Gonzalez. I see it written all the time, but how do I say it? He's a, a wonderful photographer as well. And the show was put together so well. And it was mm. like a group show with a bunch of other artists for Pride. And I was really honored to be a part of it, which is like, you never know with group shows, you know, it's like, yeah. it's going to be something that you're excited to be included or you're like, hmm, well, but that one, I was yes. like, wow, I like my work is in this show. Like, it feels great. So that was exciting. And that was my friend, Nicole Hill, who I photographed for that in the early days of starting to photograph people with underwear on their heads nice one of the trailblazers <laughs> exactly really yeah that's very she brought cool. like 30 pair of underwear and stacked them all oh my god head. yeah where most of was like one or two but she was not messing around wow <laughs> but that's a that's an impressive collection too like all of them were photograph worthy <laughs> i don't even know how many pairs of underwear do i have like i don't know how oh many gosh. i could even put I don't think I have 30 pairs of underwear. I don't well, know. I can tell you my head is very round. So <laughs> I can tell you that it wouldn't stay on my head because I have like a very round head. So even wearing like head those kind of headbands that go all the way around my head. Yeah, they slide it's off. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It starts doing this and I just feel like I have a weird like semi hat on. I mean, I guess, you know, it's better than having like a triangle head that like is all angular. I guess that's true. But, you know, your head is perfect for you. That's true. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> <laughs> you're so good, Erica. Oh, my gosh. It calls so your funny. beautiful brain inside it very well. Something like that. <laughs> so, okay. Let's talk about the Open Photo Project. I didn't realize that it had been six years. I know, right? It's a long project. Wow. Yeah, it's a long-ass project. But, you know, it might be one of those projects I'm shooting forever. I don't know. It's like my community. It's fun. It's evolving. Relationships are evolving. Things change, so I want to follow up. Mm. uh, I haven't photographed for it, though, since February of 2020. 
because mm. I really love to travel to stay with the families that I'm photographing and really photograph them in their homes. And the last time with, mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm, pandemic mm-hmm. that that was that that happened was February 2020. Wow. And I, I guess now perhaps, I don't know. It's like everything is hard to figure out now, but um, with this pandemonium stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's been great. It's that's really why I went to the Sex Geek Summer Camp where we met and Woodhull because of that project took me there so I could meet people to photograph. And so it's really opened my life, opened my experiences, you know, seeking out folks for that project. And that's Mm, nice. Cool. So take me back to six years ago, right? Like how did, how did this one start? Sure. I, about six years ago, I was somewhat freshly self aware out to myself about being polyamorous I'd been Mm. in like been in like a non-monogamous relationship and then I sort of realized that was polyamorous and then sort of Mm. like as a photographer I like to explore things that I'm interested in personally in my personal work so you know I was thinking how can I photograph this how can I learn about this and through photography and then also I just in coming out and talking to people about it I often found people experience so many different misconceptions about polyamory so I thought it would be cool to make this project that's kind of like helping create understanding and empathy just by visibility by getting it out there getting things seen you know making connections just sort of I always think about how you know like a conservative person might have a problem with gay people or something and Mm. not think certain things should be okay until they have a gay friend or a gay family member or whatever it's like right the exposure piece I mean I guess just all those things like being polyamorous myself wanting to share stories to create empathy and, and increase visibility and I also just really like photographing people you know in their natural environments so it all tied together for that Mm. And for folks who are either currently watching or listening to this um, or are watching it later, if ever you get a chance to see the multimedia version of the open photo project and not just, I mean, the photography is awesome because I do think that it's like people, it's people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like so often people assume like wild, wild things. It just seems so normal (laughs) quote-unquote normal which we know is like a social construct the multimedia version is very cool because you you get to it's like full uh surround sound almost like you get the some of the audio and the visuals and and it's just nice to like hear about other people's lives yeah i hope i do another screening soon and of course i would love to do a real life screening Mm -hmm. again sometime but it was so fun to do the, the one recently that that good vibes hosted and then it's just in general, um, you know, I want to share this work with more people. And even before the screening, like if people want to check it out on YouTube, there's a whole bunch of interviews I put up there, just like recordings of our conversation. And then on mm. the openphotoproject.com, there's like a lot of the photos and a lot of the text excerpts. So there's ways to experience it now. But yeah, the, the multimedia way is like the nice the way that I'm experiencing <laughs> Yeah. So have you ever gotten pushback from it or because of it? From anyone? From like or? maybe someone, from, yeah, from anyone, maybe who just, people who just don't understand or like anything like that. Hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. So when I started that project, like I said, it was to kind of destigmatize and show, mm. you know, share, you know, with folks who might not have had experiences learning about 
polyamorous relationships and stuff. But the main mm -hmm. people that I've been able to really share it with has been um, the polyamorous community and like sex positive mm. community. So I want to share this more with people who would be learning more about it and it's unfamiliar mm. to them. So in that case, I'm sure I'll get more pushback. A couple of years ago, there was like, BBC has this thing called the World in Pictures and they did a little short mm. three minute slideshow with like some of the audio and that got posted on Facebook on the BBC World in Pictures page. And you know, those like, don't, don't read the comment section on those kind of things. Uh, then yeah, people can be people are so ridiculous. Yeah. But people just, you know, having questions, having things that they don't really understand, you know, asking questions, but like me personally interacting with someone as like mm. another person, not a lot. I've gotten some good, like constructive criticism from the polyamorous community when I've done showings within that community. Okay. And, you know, some that I've taken and some that I haven't. But like, you know, I guess I've been lucky. It hasn't been a lot of like terrible pushback. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I, I worry because, you know, I feel like every couple of years there's always some sort of like rise in anti- I don't know, just like, it's like critical for reasons that are just clear that they just don't know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and I just, I worry, especially seeing what has happened more recently with people who are like getting, uh, being, not being socked, but like people coming onto their like social media and like, yeah, docs, yeah. there you go. That was the exact yeah, word that I was thinking of. So, so yeah, I just worry about that more recently. It's like yeah, such a scary. a weird thing to have to navigate these days. Yeah. Maybe I haven't had enough um, exposure to have really well, come across those people, which, you know, I'm not complaining that I haven't, co that I have not come across those people. I do hope that definitely. this project gets in front of more eyes, but yeah, no, that stuff can be scary and like harassment and, mm. you know, things like that. And I worry about that too, for the people who've shared their stories with the project, because, mm. you know, people are, everyone has their own comfort level. And, and I always am really careful about consent and stuff. So like some people say, don't tag me on social media, sure. you know, I'll share my story, but don't tag me. I don't want my grandma to see, or some people are more like everything's out there and that's fine. But, you know, like I always respect that. And the more visible and outspoken you are, the more chance that there could be things like that come mm. at you, you know, douchey people on the sure. internet or whatever oh. bother you. Douchey people <laughs> on the internet. Oh, there's so many of them. Um, <laughs> there's too many of them. <laughs> it's the truth. I kind of want to ask, and you can let me know if like you want to sway the conversation in a different way, but sure. mainly personally as a person who's been in monogamous relationships like my whole life I've been till now at the age of 39 where I'm still in a monogamous relationship I, was like, I just said up until now as well don't tell Andrew no I'm kidding like, you didn't tell this to before aren't we friends <laughs> no I, I the the truth is I like I don't know if I, I think I told you guys this but like early on when I was pregnant and I was going through the like waves of like emotions of being pregnant I became immediately aware that I was going to potentially go through a like postpartum period and then when I went through the postpartum period like I was not remotely prepared for like what that was like it was much more intense than I think I I would have thought it was going to be even though I tried to like prep myself I don't know how anyone how can, can prep, prep themselves for, for that, that just, yeah if you don't know what to right. expect, it's hard to prep. and I remember saying to to him like 
hey, if I'm not in a place where I can give you the things that make you feel happy, I'm totally okay with this, like having this conversation because I know that there are things that I'm not going to be able to do all the time or like I might not be able to fulfill like all the things. And I, it's a lot of, I was like, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I have a baby. I have a cat that wants my attention to it. And also a partner. It's like so much, you know, and I wanted to honor and recognize that he has intimacy needs that I wasn't going to be able to fulfill. Mm-hmm. But he's very much like, I mean, I I have essentially, <laughs> I, along with the squad, have essentially like opened his world in ways that I don't know if he would have ever realized that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in terms of knowledge and like learning about different forms of relationships. Um, guy. He sure is. <laughs> when, you, when you watch this later, Andrew, take notes. No, I'm kidding. He, I think so. I'm extremely lucky as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, like there's an, an and I want to recognize that like the way that I was going about offering that as an option to him might not have necessarily been the like most healthy way to go about offering that option. And earlier, I think you said that that you had been in non-monogamous relationships before, but I know that like society has a lot of these like very intense expectations on us and like relationship structures that they deem as like acceptable I guess so I would personally love to hear about kind of how your like journey through into polyamory began sure yeah if you're enjoying the raw bar podcast and you're wanting to learn a little bit more about specific sexuality topics check out my dive deeper series on youtube In Dive Deeper with Goddess Cecilia, I touch on specific topics like waterproof adult toys, self-pleasure health benefits, and postpartum depression. It's the same sassy me, but in video format. And I do it all while wearing a mermaid tail. Sometimes I'm on location at a tropical destination, and sometimes I'm sitting on my seashell throne. As your pleasure guide, this is a personal invitation to you to explore all the ebbs and flows of pleasure and self-care. It's my honor to bring a little whimsy and magic to a topic that has historically been so taboo. A new Dive Deeper drops monthly on YouTube, so make sure you search for Dive Deeper with Goddess Cecilia and subscribe. Well, uh, let's go back about 15 years. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. In my mid-20s or so, I think... I was in a relationship, was a monogamous relationship, started as a monogamous relationship. And then we decided to have an open relationship because for various reasons, mostly like Mm -hmm. at that age, just wanting to like explore my queerness some more. Mm -hmm. It was a relationship with a man. And, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, I was like, there's some, some other stuff going on here with me. And that was like, my kind of first I read The Ethical Slut which is like a book, mm. you know kind of founding literature on I don't want to say polyamory but like open relationships and stuff and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that was kind of first time seeking that kind of relationship and like learning about it a little bit more and you know that that was that was fine it was what it was it worked out at that time in my life and then we eventually became monogamous again but that was like afterwards I always thought like if I'm going to ever be with someone in like a long term, like a really long, like life partnership or for a really long time, 
I would probably want to have that as a possibility because like, mm. so it's funny. I was just talking about this recently. Uh, I haven't talked about it in a while. And now here I am talking about it like twice in a short time. But like, I feel for, <laughs> for, for me being able to explore a connection with another person feels like such an important part of the human experience whether it's like a friend or like a romance or something in between or something totally different like we we are living our lives here on this planet together and it's so important to be able to connect with each other and when I'm in a monogamous relationship if I feel like a draw towards someone because I like feel like this you know magical sparkly draw towards a person I would kind of avoid it and like be careful about it because mm. I like want to honor this monogamous commitment. And that feels like a little sad. And it feels a little sad to like ask somebody to also cut that off if they're like feeling really excited about connecting with this new person. So I always thought like that started to feel more important to me to have that openness as an option. And then the other thing I thought about at that time, and I still think about it in now, but it's less like what's in my mind around polyamory now is like, if I'm in a super caring, committed partnership with someone, if we're building a life together and there's so much about each other that we love, like kissing another person just doesn't make sense to be a relationship extinction level event. And of course, there's like so much range in between. There's like polyamory, like it's not just about kissing another person, but like, you know what I mean? It's like we could have so much history and so much care and so much nurturing and support. And then like that would be the huge deal breaker. It just doesn't make sense to me. So um, that was sort of the sort of the ideas that I had that started. And since then, things have evolved and changed a lot, of course. But yeah, I guess those are like the beginning kind of concepts for me of like not really fully getting mm. the monogamy thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely I feel like I've I've learned a lot from like talking with you and squad about that. I had known I had friends who were polyamorous Mm -hmm. but I don't but they they were they weren't as like open about it Hmm. with me like I knew that they dated other people and you know and it was and I I remember it being like fairly new and being like okay but like the original couple I guess who I like (laughs) knew were like fine with it so it was like okay Mm -hmm. whatever you know what I mean like cool but it was Mm -hmm. it was still I don't know if I really had, I probably did have questions. I can't remember off the top of my head. I just remember feeling like if they're happy, like the whole mind to be like, you know, like whatever, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be here sitting here, like passing judgment. Like they can do whatever they want. It's their relationship kind of thing. But I never really, I feel like I never really got the nuance of a lot of it. And there's so so many like different ways to be polyamorous or or non-monogamous and then to then have seen your open photo project it was like oh yeah well I felt like there was like a full circle thing for me because it was like yeah it's totally fine like it's whatever that's their relationship and then it was like oh actually I have a lot of questions but I never really thought that I could ask them and people are like educating me and also then people are also just people and doing their thing and living their lives and it's not whatever but it's like okay cool cool. (laughs) they're doing their thing I'm doing my thing exactly yeah that's so cool that that was like helpful for you to hear people talk about that through through your your, am I understanding correctly that like watching some of the open photo project and learning about it there was helpful for you yeah yeah definitely because I I mean I realized that that's really neat to learn oh (laughs) wow I always knew everything 
Oh, God, no. <laughs> God, no. I don't claim to be. I, I actually talk about this a lot. I don't like the word expert yeah. because I feel like there's nowhere else to go. And like, yeah. I'm constantly learning. Like, there's no possible way that I could know all the things. It would be lovely and it would be exhausting. <laughs> yeah. You know? Totally. And I don't want to. I don't want to know all the things. Yeah. yeah. I feel Always like then there's so. no room for curiosity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. I've learned a lot through talking to people for this project too about polyamory and like non-monogamous relationships. And yeah, like you said, there's like so many nuances, but also so many different ways. Like you might have some friends that are designed the relationship one way, but that doesn't mean that the next polyamorous person you meet has even a remotely similar way. So it's like talking with more people and learning about it for me has been really cool and eye-opening. I'm like, oh, wow oh, wow, this person thinks of it like that. How cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And really, like, it's the same with monogamous relationships, too, because, like, the variety of the way people have relationships is, is like, so wide. I mean, right. I know couples who have been married forever, years, <laughs> you know, 20, 30 years, and they don't share a bedroom. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know people who, you know, have, like, a short dating before marriage life and they're like totally fine and happy and then I know people who like are divorced but they co-parent like mm -hmm. and I feel like people lose sight of that variety because there's so much of the like push to have things be well I guess it, there's so much of the like toxic monogamy that oh. I feel like then kind of creeps in sure. you know yeah or, or or that like tells people that they like have to be a certain way or like relate to people in a certain way yeah that stuff could be so harmful even like yeah like you said in all I mean people are so different like every human is so different so how could we expect all relationships are going to fit a certain formula and like you said and I, it's good for me to be reminded about this but like even in in monogamous relationships like it can be totally healthy for two people to sleep in separate beds it could be a sign that something's going wrong it could be what right. you know in a monogamous relationship where like people have like cuddle parties with their besties and that's fine or that could be considered a violation it could be you know right. raising kids together or not together it could be like the possibilities that are endless that whatever people do that works for them right right do you find though because there is the the like toxic monogamy that does kind of force its way in do you do you find sometimes that some of those ideas creep in once in a while for myself yeah yeah, I would say for sure. We're all raised in this society, you know, no matter how much we try to become self-aware and unlearn mm. certain things, it's so ingrained, you know, just like, yeah. I don't know, just like body image stuff or like, uh, you know, or patriarchy yes. stuff. It's so ingrained and, you know, we're like, it's, it's got to be a constant process of unlearning. And I just want to put out there and say, like, I do not think that monogamy is toxic at all. Like, I think like to each their own whatever works and you know just like there can be things can be done toxically like there could be toxic polyamory there could be toxic monogamy oh sure you know just like I just want to make sure that I, I'm not saying like all monogamy is toxic I'm not saying that but like the culture that it's default that anything besides that is unhealthy that you know the assumptions that this goes that way I think can cause harm for sure and then um, maybe people just think it has to go a certain way without thinking what's best for me what best what's best for us mm. in this situation I think that can be that's something that yeah I, I still have to think about for sure 
yeah yeah relationship escalator stuff that's something i've been thinking about a lot lately in terms of like habits of like what happens next but like we don't have to go in the habit we can think about it and decide together what we want to do next you know could you kind of briefly explain relationship escalator because that was a new term that i had learned from you all and i was like oh what (laughs) (laughs) an escalator (laughs) i'm not sure where that term started i certainly have not coined it it's like probably in some polyamory book whoever said it first sorry that I'm not crediting you but I'll look it up <laughs> but yeah just the idea that like that a relationship is an escalator that you always are you know going up on it together and then maybe mm. if you're not that there's something wrong so like I don't know maybe some standard relationship escalator could be like you know person meets person they go on some dates they like each other they decide to be exclusive they mm. they move in together they get engaged, they get married, they have kids, you know, I mean, you know, variations, but the idea that like, if you're not doing those things, it's a sign that something's wrong, it could be a toxic monogamy holdover, I think, or, you know, Mm. like, a lot of polyamorous relationships, maybe you could like love someone and care for someone, but not want to build a home with them or something or and then then that could be like, in a toxic monogamy way that could be seen as like, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, so I know there's like some poly communities, or poly folks that talk about different analogies besides the escalator, which can be cute. Oh, okay. to, you know, there's none that I like really super resonate with myself. But I like that people are trying to think about those different analogies. Well, I realized that I wanted to start, this is kind of a new question and it wasn't on my list of questions. Okay. What currently are you taking a lot of pleasure in? Ah, because you are a sex educator and you are a pleasure advocate. Uh, Oh my gosh. What am I taking a lot of pleasure in? I've been taking pleasure in, there's so many things and like, (laughs) which one is the most Go for it. You don't have to go that way. It can be whatever you want. Well, I'm taking pleasure in this delicious meal that I'm eating right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a really good slice of key lime pie a little while ago that was just like super good. So, you know, like delicious, delicious things, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, connecting with people, like connecting with loved ones and new people that has just been like feeling really nice. And like, especially I'm in a process of moving right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm like feeling a lot of joy and like mixed with sadness, but like joy in my like community where I am and like seeing friends who I love who live nearby and spending time with Mm -hmm. them. And that's just been feeling really good. And like, I'm not saying goodbye because I'm staying within New York City, but just like appreciating the the closeness that I've built with Mm -hmm. this community and with people who I care about has felt really good. And I got to hang out with a puppy today. That brought me a lot of, I don't know if pleasure is the right word for that, but like, I don't know, his face was so soft. And it was just, that was nice. That was pleasurable. I think yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. What about you? Do you like to answer that question? Yeah, yeah, I can answer that question. Because, you know, it could change week to week for sure. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well. I'm definitely taking pleasure in the food. I am a tourist after all. <laughs> and I love sushi and wine. I, I mean, I feel like I'm doing pretty good with this like weekly day drinking, <laughs> which I've said is, was not very good about becoming a day drinker during a pandemic. But hey, now, <laughs> it's now, always yeah. time to start. <laughs> not that I'm encouraging this. 
<laughs> but also it's fine. everything in moderation. Um, exactly. It's literally like the only glass of wine I have every week. <laughs> well, you said it's been like a month and you're on the same bottle. <laughs> that. <laughs> I also, oh man, I, I take pleasure in the fact that the sun is out today. That even though, you know, the storm was intense, the sun is out. Uh, the clouds up here have been gorgeous. I love me some clouds. And they're just, it's just nice to, to see them sort of like, okay, you know, like there's a clearing happening. Mm-hmm. I also am taking pleasure in being able to connect with you, even though we do, we do every day, but it's like different when I can see your face. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. why we also use Marco Polo. Shout out to that. You know, yeah, I don't often get to do the like accounting almost of like, well, what actually felt good? I go through yeah. so much of the, okay, it's so like, what's the next project? What's the next right. project? Yeah. Right. How to, sort of how our like day-to-day lives ends up sucking us in but that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a good thing to to be aware of I like that question and like as you're sharing I'm like thinking of more things you know it's like nice now I'm thinking and appreciating things that brought me pleasure and joy this past week mm, yeah I love it yeah thank you <sighs> I want to add one more thing can I add one more thing oh yes please you so I disassembled with my good friend who came over I disassembled a big bookshelf last night and it was like actually pleasurable to do because I felt really strong like I felt very capable and strong like like moving this bookshelf and like my body was like doing a good job and I don't know I think mm. pleasure and feeling like strong and capable and then also while we were disassembling it like there was a playlist going and like we had to take breaks for like little dance parties and that was so oh. fun to like dance and take apart take apart furniture and just felt like a lot of joy in that moment so that was you don't hear that a lot when it comes to moving right like (laughs) most people's moving stories are like oh my god the movers and things arriving right like that was was nice to hear that part piece I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more irritation coming but yes that was (laughs) we'll take the joy where we can (laughs) there you go yeah there you go oh Erica thank you so much for thank you for being one of my first like people to interview thank you for hanging with me thank you for sharing some sustenance and beverage <laughs> yeah thank with you for me. inviting me i loved it oh my it was God. So nice <sighs> okay well last thing tell okay. people how they can find you so yes my name is erica capin and i am erica capin on instagram e-r-i-k-a-k-a-p-i-n on Instagram and Facebook, not really on Twitter that much. And then I have the Open Photo Project is on theopenphotoproject.com. And I also have the Open Photo Project on Instagram. There's too many ways to get in touch with me. It's like too much. And then my website, ericajunecapin.com is my like more artistic website. So yeah, and I'm sure basically if you find me on Instagram, you can find the rest of it. So that'll be good. Thank you, CC. Well, thank you again, Erica. For those of you who have tuned in, who are tuning in later, thank you so much for hanging with us, for tuning in. I hope that you learned something. I hope that you gained something. And I hope that you get to think more about the things that bring you pleasure. And I'll see you all next week. I have a bunch of cool people that I'm having on next week. I have Heather. I have Tim, who's from Sex Ed with Tim. And I have Shea Monique. So I'm very excited for that upcoming episodes as well. All right, Erica, thank you so much again. Thank you, Cece. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and thanks, everyone. 
Bye. Bye. Well, friends, it's time to go our separate ways. I hope your body and brain are fully satiated and stimulated from today's episode. Make sure you rate and review today's episode and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Lastly, head on over to goddesscecilia.com. That's G-O-D-D-E-S-S-C-E-C-I-L-I-A.com to find out how you can connect with my guests and me and how you can be a part of the Raw Bar Regulars. See you next time.